Hello and welcome, Greg Deacon from NFRN. Thank you so much for joining us for um, this episode of Convenience Talks. For those of the people out there that possibly don't know who NFRN are and, and what, who, who you are, what you do, would you mind just giving us a brief introduction? Yeah, so good morning and thank you for having me on. Uh, my name is Greg Deacon. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of the NFRN. Um, the NFRN is a, a members federation, been around for 100 years, we're in our 101st year. And we're there really to support, guide, assist members every day um, in food retail, but also any independent retailer in the sector can become a member of the Federation. We currently have about 11,500 members representing around 15,000 shops. Right. Okay, fantastic. Thank you very much. So talking about the NFRN specifically, but obviously the members that you, that you represent as well, what were the initial impacts of the coronavirus situation so when we started to see everything ramping up and we realized that this was going to be big what were the initial changes that happened to nfrn and what you were doing yeah well we've we've just gone through massive structural change ourselves actually and moved the business to the northeast of england from london uh, we've got two offices now one northeast one in london so our immediate our immediate concern was actually how do we support the members so as, as coronavirus became more apparent and became more visible in the UK uh, in terms of being reported uh, on our shores, uh, our immediate thoughts turned out, right, how do we equip ourselves? How do we make sure we're tooled up and ready to support the members? Because they're really going to need us. We can foresee actually an avalanche of, of change coming in terms of the sector, customer behaviour and business operationally. Um, so we, we set about that uh, immediately. So we made sure that everyone was able to work from home effectively we knew that there was going to be a lockdown situation at some point looking at what's happening in italy spain and other locations like china um, and our immediate thoughts was how, how do we support the members um and then it was kind of operation around well what when we've done that then how do we support the members going forward um but our primary concern was that um, and then aligning with government working with suppliers and making sure that where possible we can maintain normal business routine uh, for ourselves but equally for our members Okay, and so you've obviously had to make some some big adaptations um, in the way that you work and where you work um, and how you work. So, what what how has the NFRN adapted within the last say four to six weeks, and what effect are those adaptations having on your normal business sort of practices? Yeah, so I think look, we, you know, it's not the normal for a business such as ourselves to have all staff working from home. Um, we have a call center. Uh, we have a field team. Um, obviously, we visit members on a daily basis. Um, we've been able to obviously call members now proactively. Um, so that's been an adaptation really in terms of not seeing us face to face, but being being there for them either over the phone from an inbound perspective, also equally from an outbound perspective. Uh, we and normally down with the members. Are the members happy with that adaptation? Are they are they are they happy to have telephone conversations rather than face to face? Yeah, I think they're really understanding right now. I think, you know, a lot of businesses have pulled out their field staff from stores. And quite frankly, that's the right thing to do from a safety perspective. You know, the members are putting themselves at risk every day, just open up the shutters. So, you know, they've adapted really well, as so has the staff, because um, we're still maintaining that contact with a member, whether it's face to face or over the phone. Um, I think they're very supportive of us in doing so. And, and, you know, we're helping them. So whether they need the business request or help with you know, completing documentation, for example, in terms of the grants and stuff that the government have provided. Um, so we're assisting them. We normally, we normally receive about 300 calls from members a week and we're receiving anything up to sort of 1500 a week at the moment. 
So they really do need us. Um, and we're also making around about five, about a thousand proactive calls outbound a week as well. So, you know, whether it's inbound or outbound, the members are actually seeing more of us. Uh, mm. We've also dialed up our communications, whether it's um, on digital and social media. So we've been very uh, present, I think, in the members' mind right now. And I think they really benefited from that and they're really appreciative of it as well. Okay, thank you. And and what about um, so do you you run events as well as part of part of what you guys do then at NFRN? Yeah, so the annual calendar is actually uh, well that's that's, tra that's quite transformational. Oh, yeah. um, we haven't got a conference anymore that we hold on an annual basis in the summer, um, and a lot of the structure of the federation actually the, the the rhythm of the federation is designed around that conference. Um, so again, that's a significant change for us. I think it's probably the first time in Federation history in 101 years they're not going to have an annual conference this year. Uh, even during the war, I think they were still able to function slightly differently to what they are now because of the social distancing. Um, and a lot of our members, we've got to protect their, their health, and that's paramount during this. Um, we had other events, regional events, where trade suppliers can come and meet members and, and do deals and, and help them save money and make money, uh, and making it a little bit easier to do business on a one-to-one -one level. That's all changed. Um, fortunately, we've got our awards, which is um, going to be in January 2021. So we're able to plan for that, um, but we're also very considerate at the moment that for suppliers, it's obviously really tough times, and you know, seeing to support in events may be tricky. So um, that's that's been very difficult for us. Um, but again, working with the suppliers, working with the members, everyone's very considerate of the situation right now and very understanding. Um, a lot of the things have been sort of suspended, part for a better word, until later on. Uh, and other things have been sadly cancelled and removed from the calendar altogether um, to be picked up next year. So, so that that has that has not been you know too useful for us um, from a way of doing business. But we work around that, and we're working with suppliers, and and we're able to do so. Mm -hmm. And how has the support been from suppliers um, for you and for your members? Um, yeah, so I think um, every conversation we've had so far has been very proactive. Uh, the situation, and I have total empathy with the supplier base, you know, a lot of people will think that actually it's, it must be really good for all the brands at the moment, but there are winners and losers in this. And obviously there's a lot of operational angst in terms of how do they get product to, to store and to their consumers, ultimately yeah. through the retailers. So we've seen significant pressure in the supply chain in terms of availability. Um, unusual buying behaviours from retailers because you know a lot of our members are now going two or three times a day to cash and carries just because of the supply and demand, uh, which is good news for those guys that are open. Um, but obviously that's causing real operational challenge in the sector. Um, but suppliers are working with us. Um, there are some challenges right now. I'm not going to you know shy away from it that you know a lot of products are still going to the supermarkets but not quite reaching the wholesalers or retailers directly in terms of independence. Um, and we're working with the suppliers on that. Um, but also emphasise with the situation in terms of, you know, they've got their own staff challenges in terms of isolation or sickness or both. Um, and we're just working, you know, pragmatically with them in terms of what can we do to rectify the situation as quickly as possible. Okay. okay, and then finally, and it's obviously very difficult to even start talking about the future when we still feel like we're in the eye of the storm, so to speak. But you know, from from the your experience so far within this situation, what do you think the future looks like for NFRN and your members? Um, well, I, I actually I'm really optimistic, um, which is very difficult to be in the current climate. But um, I, I think actually when you look at um, consumers right now, I think the, the buying behaviour and then the, the mindset has changed to shop more locally. 
I think it, there is going to be a reawakening to the, to the local shop retailer, uh, whether it's the shops that remain open right now in terms of main, you know, in terms of convenience retail, but equally those that are still, uh, that are still closed, uh, whether it's a hairdresser um, and other convenience shops that may be uh, frequented locally. Um, we're seeing a real shift change now in consumer behaviour. Um, and I think some of the things will become the new normal is delivery through local retailers. A lot of them have been really agile um, and totally transformed their business overnight, quite frankly, because they were forced to. Um, but what's amazed me is that they've been able to do it and pull it off. Um, and we've seen that not just in terms of delivering newspapers, and there's been an extra 200,000 orders for that alone um, going from independent retailers, but actually equally the food and drink that they're supplying, the daily essentials. So that's really comforting for me. And I think that's a real um, huge headroom opportunity for retailers moving forward. Uh, and I'm really excited about that. And I think that will become the new normal for a lot of customers um, through the local retailers. And actually for a lot of retailers, that will become the new normal for them in doing business. Mm -hmm. That have significant changes on bricks and mortar. Uh, I think some of them will become, you know, a, third, you know, a lot of their, their bricks and mortar space might become fulfillment houses. Um, to deliver these uh, parcels uh, and goods to the local communities. Um, but that would be good for business overall. That keeps their customers loyal to them. Mm -hmm. So I think technology is going to play a key part in that. Mm -hmm. One thing that we're looking at at the moment, actually, how do we equip the, the next sort of generation of retailers going forward that are going to actually have a professional delivery service um, in terms of part of their store proposition. Um, and I think cash as payments is going to become the new normal for a lot. Um, that's going to have a significant impact on the retail sector uh, and retailers have to be ready for that. Um, they have to modernise their stores and be able to cope with this new demand from consumer, whether it's paying for goods um, via an app where they're getting products delivered or click and collect or over the counter. Uh, and obviously many of them don't have that facility right now, but need to coming out of this because I think the consumer will demand it, not just because of health and safety reasons, because that, that behaviour change has happened. And it's going to stick because of the duration that we're going through in terms of this. Um, but I think all those things really mean that technology is going to play a more integral part. Um, and I think that's going to help us mitigate future episodes like this, actually, uh, in terms of equipping those businesses with the tools that means they can survive real transformational change in their, in their lives and their consumer lives because they're ready and able to sell to them in different ways. Um, so I think a lot of stores will bring a digital self to them, to their customers. Um, and, I'm, and I'm really excited by that. Um, and I think that's just accelerated. It was coming. A lot of stores were doing it. Um, but I think the, the, the next the next sort of couple of years have just been accelerated um, to now. And that's what they're going to do. And the Federation, well, we, we've got to be ready to support retailers with that. So we'll be doing everything we can on a day to day basis to uh, equip our members with all the latest information, advice and support, whether it's app based technology, whether it's delivery propositions. Um, I think, and, and cashless payments, I think we'll be ready and available to provide those to the members. And that's what I'm mindful of at this moment when I get my head up from the daily grind as it is right now. Um, and I think that's a very exciting future for both the retailers, ourselves as an organisation, but also the supplier base, because ultimately mm. I think there are benefits for everyone in the supply chain. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Greg. Really, really lovely to have your take on things, especially seeing as you are positively looking towards the future. I mean, obviously, we find ourselves in an, in the uh, the often used word unprecedented situation. But, you know, I think you're absolutely right. If, if something good can come from this, it's perhaps that 
the the barriers we had to things like cashless payment etc have been removed because people have been forced to use um, cashless payment or delivery etc and now the barriers are removed I can only see those areas um, supported by good tech and by um, good members um, I can only see that growing absolutely so Greg thank you so much for your time really appreciate it thank you very much you take care thank you bye-bye